Hello and welcome to The Found Cause, where we found our cause and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your Michael. I'm your Michael, the man behind the machine. And to my left is... <laughs> Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And virtually on the phone, in fact, because the internet is not letting us show his face very well, so we won't even bother, is... Theodore, under the PC, under the person of Christ. Excellent. So we can see here on our side of things, we can see Theodore's lovely face. And we would show his face to you, but it's too handsome for viewing pleasure and the internet won't help us out. So... Before, without further ado, we are doing a revisit of our uh, often commented reaction to Dharma Speaks. Dharma Speaks is a Hinduism channel, but it's fully in English. I think it's by an Englishman, and um, it describes uh, in a pop culture kind of way different Hindu philosophies and common questions and usually responds to Islam and to Christianity, the two other popular religions of the world. And so we reacted to an early um, episode about uh, critiquing Christianity's claim to truth and Islam's claim to truth, me and you, Theodore. And uh, we got a ton of reaction. It was our first hype viral video in our standards, at least, and a lot and a lot of comments. Um, we have not dared revisit Hinduism in a while, only because um, it's not our specialty. And it frankly doesn't interest me that much, but it got such a positive reaction that we thought we'd try to revisit again. Clearly, it's on people's minds. And so today in studio is my usual co-host, Sebastian. And Sebastian is a reader of all sorts of books. Um, he's got books right now from some Hare Krishna monks that he had met in university. Maybe you want to describe them? Yes. The monk was very nice. I mean, that's as far as I'll go with the monk. He was a very nice fellow. We had a nice conversation and exchange on what he believes will lead him to truth he's a krishna so you know i understand in india there are different cults to different deities like shiva vishnu krishna this guy was particularly devoted to krishna the book that he gave me is called the shrimad bhagavatam which is in sanskrit a book dedicated to the study learning and discipleship of krishna with a nice exchange and i presented the gospel to him contrasted what that was in comparison to his method of salvation in which his belief was pretty much works salvation you do these good things that's going to lead you in the right path to be with krishna and i presented the gospel with him and then we had a very i would say a cordial exchange so pretty it's gonna be he's been in my mind you know whenever yeah whenever he's, been, he's been in your uh, testimony too when we've shared it and the other thing is uh, i've been reminded by many of our Hindu listeners that uh, were commenting on our previous Dharma Speaks video that Hinduism is kind of hard to say is one religion because um, with Islam and Christianity, at least we try to, to centralize and there's some basic sects, but we would all call ourselves Christians if we're Christian or Islamic if we're Islamic, etc. But with Hinduism, it's really a Western term to say Hinduism, the religion of the Hindus, which is just the people group in India. And so what they would they describe themselves as our separate religions, like hundreds of different religions within India that all get along with each other because they don't really hold to, um, often they don't hold to objective, single, rigid only ways to salvation. And so there will be people who believe that Krishna is the lead God and some believe Vishnu is and some mm -hmm. believe Brahma is, etc. And so often we try to smush that into one single view that Hindus believe. But Hindus often vary in their beliefs more than Catholics and, and um, Protestants because they worship entirely different structures, entirely different hierarchies of gods. Um, but all that's just considered Hindus by the modern day Westerner. So with that in mind, we um, know that Hinduism has many different opinions and they're often much more, quote unquote, tolerable or tolerant because they um, 
have to tolerate so many different beliefs, mm -hmm. but they fundamentally contradict each other. And with that in mind, we're about to watch a video from Dharma Speaks, which is called, Why Does Hindu Philosophy Make No Sense? And often, if you read it, it doesn't. It's contradictory um, to other sources, but also within itself, it's often um, overly confusing, contradictory. It uses um, phraseology from Sanskrit and Hindu that not only do Westerners not understand, but also Hindus don't understand. It's a lot like using Latin um, instead of English for, for Christian phrases. And so it's often like very obtuse. And we'd like to see what Dharma Speaks has to say about that. Any uh, first comments over the phone, Theodore, that you would have before we get into it? You remember that that first viral video we did with uh, Dharma Speaks? Uh, kind of, yeah. But I, I, I haven't seen this at oh, all. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing. But just by the look of this, it looks like a spoof or a parody. It, um, it does. It's very honest, I think, of him. Uh, okay, well, without further ado, let's get into it. All right, you also may have noticed, if you're watching uh, with your eyeballs, that we're in a slightly different portion of the studio. Mm -hmm. Still the same studio apartment, but it's uh, been rearranged because I now have a big person desk, and we're slamming Sebastian in here. So not quite the relaxed couch view. You can see the couch behind us if you wanted to see what the full studio looks like. In any case, without further ado, here we go. Those of other religions and non-Hindus examine Hindu philosophy. You know what I'm going to have to do? Okay, apologies, we had some audio troubleshooting. Let's try this again. Struck not just by the number of different schools of thought, but also by the number of contradictions. Islam has a very simple and straightforward theology. God is the creator without form, and we are his creation. We follow his commands, and if successful, we enjoy heaven. Christianity has a degree of complexity with the incarnation of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. A degree of complexity. Um, we, we agree the incarnation of Christ is a thing, and so the presence of the Holy Spirit make God th three in one. But none of them come close to the way Hinduism explains the divine. On one hand, Hindus say God is the most powerful being, beyond any understanding. At the same time, they believe he takes the form of a child and cries when his mother scolds him. Yep. They say that God is omnipresent, yet reduce him to a stone image ready for worship. Right, which is the most upsetting thing, I think, usually to Islam also, but, but mainly Jews and Christians, that uh, you would make an image of God and worship him. Now, Catholics and Eastern Orthodox or whatever often have weird images of God, so a little hypocrisy there. We're not. We're Protestants, so we would also abhor that kind of um, idolatry. It's, it's forbid in the classic law of God in, in Christianity and Judaism and Islam for what they hold to it, um, that you should not make a graven image of God. Um, and Hindus do this, so they he's claiming that he, Dharma speaks, but also Hindus in general, whatever cult, they say that they have um, a greater picture of God because their God is greater and less understandable, and yet they smush them into stone images. On one hand, Hindus say God is the great creator of all things, then at the same time state that he is creation itself. They say he has a form, but is also formless. He is infinite without boundaries, yet he is a person with specific attributes. Now, we would uh, ascertain these, these mixtures that Hinduism has as just everybody making up different beliefs about God mm -hmm. and then smooshing them into one, right? So that's foolishness, I think, in general, is to believe something that is clearly made up by human hands. However, um, some attempts uh, have been made by Hindus of different cults to smush these different beliefs together, or at least just to tolerate. Everybody has different opinions and beliefs about God. Um, like the Hare Krishna book here uh, that, that Sebastian brought to the table has a view where um, 
Krishna is the lead god and that from him all things emanate. So from him, another god named um, Mahavishnu emanates. And then from Mahavishnu... Um, Brahma. Uh, no, another version of oh, yes, yes, then yes, Brahma. Yes, yes. Right? But in any case, this whole like Gnostic procession of gods. Um, but that's not universal across all Hindus. In any case, um, they have contradictions inherent, like we said. And we would call that wrong because it is wrong logically that you would have multiple visions of what actually happened. One of them is wrong and one of them is right. They're not all right. But Hindus usually don't like that answer because they can't hold their society together at the moment if they don't tolerate contradicting beliefs. And so they just say, be contradicting because it doesn't matter. It logically matters and it does matter to the adherents. Like the hard Christians believe what they believe about Krishna being supreme, but they at the same time say, but you can believe something different and still get to God. While there are different explanations to justify these positions, to a large extent, in Hinduism, contradiction is baked into its philosophy. But why do these contradictions exist? The reason is simple. Divine truth only becomes apparent when we are able to embrace contradiction. I would say it's convenient. That's incredibly convenient, isn't it? When you're, you have a, a contradicting belief and so you say, well, the truth is contradicting says you i guess like who determined that you can the divine truth is only available or, or viewable understandable in the light of contradictions that's um, a contradicting statement because i could say oh good you agree with me in that truth can't contradict yourself and then dharma speaks to reply no i just told you that truth contradicts itself and i would say thank you for agreeing with me that truth does not contradict itself and we could go back and forth and back and forth because my understanding of his words contradicts his understanding of his words and if he believes that truth is contradicting then my contradicting understanding of his expressed truth is uh true which is it's just a fancy way of me saying it's a logical fallacy um it's wrong inherently you don't have to be a christian to believe what he's saying is wrong it's just logically wrong you cannot uh, walk around society thinking that's logical yes if i'm not mistaken there's an example that's used with atheists pretty often in which you know or like with moral subjectivism like is it is it is it true that there is no truth right you just defeated their own argument right there most would say that you you have to believe in logic to engage in any sort of conversation with anybody so we all agree to some base rules mm -hmm. and one of them uh, is the laws of logic and within the laws of logic there's a rule that we call the law of non-contradiction meaning that a meaning something like this this button example cannot be true right the red button is false says the blue button and then the red button says the blue button is true in fact they're both false um in in reality right and with the law of non-contradiction because they both contradict each other and they both have claims to truth they are both false that's what the law of non-contradiction says. But what he is claiming, the Hindu, in this case, Dharma Speaks is claiming, is that both buttons are actually true, even though they contradict each other and they have um, ultimate claims to truth. And that, in and of itself, is a contradictory statement because the evidence shows that these buttons can't both be true. And therefore, his statement is also false. Not only do these buttons lie, but Dharma Speaks lies, and those who hold to the law of contradiction are liars. So there's no other there's no other way to determine if somebody's lying or not if you don't have um, the laws of logic. So we would say logically, 
You need to hold to the law of non-contradiction. If you don't, you're foolish and you are lying. Paradox is, is the really, poor... Oh. Go ahead. I think there's a really good argument for Hindus to pursue other religions or uh, to pursue religions that claim truth. Because obviously Hinduism claims basically everything as truth or not. Um, so they're it'd be wise to pursue the, the, the religions, or at least learn about them enough, um, the ones that actually claim truth. Yeah, well, if you remember, um, or if you've looked at our comments, uh, we have a lot, by the way, if, you were, <laughs> if you're interested in seeing a lot of um, Hindu thinkers, you can go to our previous Dharma Speaks episode and see a lot of comments, uh, and some in not intelligent, but some very intelligent, well thought out, long comments. And uh, the, the overwhelming theme you'll see is one, all religions are the same, it doesn't matter. But two, my particular cults, whatever they, they worship, Shiva, Vishnu, Krishna, whatever they think is the supreme being, um, is the best, and here's why. Um, so the, I think individual Christian or Hindu sects do argue with logic for why their particular position is the best. But when it comes to judging other religions, often they'll say you can't truly judge other religions because of this weird contradictions are fine thing. And so I agree with you, Theodore, in that they're not usually so hostile to other beliefs when they're comparing beliefs, but they are violently pro their own belief usually, which is what causes some like anti-Muslim anti violence, uh, also anti-Hindu violence. Um, and it really is just a, a contradicting space. And I do think that this, this logical leap to say contradiction is fine. Um, is just a way of holding society together when everybody contradicts each other. There's a line in the Bible that says um, everybody did what they thought was right in their own minds, and that was what the state of chaos was before God brought um, further revelation after the flood. You see, you have seen this also in the Roman Empire. Pretty much each temple and local local temple across Roman cities they had their own cults and deities and right. rituals and whatnot, and like it's fine. Just let it be. It's for the sake of, you know, just letting it. It's for keeping... the sake of holding society together. Yeah. Yes. And in many cases, they try to harmonize with other deities. For example, when the uh, Herodotus tried to harmonize the Scythian gods with giving them equivalents with the Greek gods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's 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 also there's a lot of that. It's more mo mostly keep harmony within themselves, but attack pretty much anything that comes from the out from the outside. If that makes sense. Right, because it's it's purely a man-made construct, again, to like control the masses, which I think is silly. Um, even uh, Dharma Speaks in the, the previous episode that we, we reacted to him with said that Christianity was made to control the masses, which, okay, I mean, I, I do think that all religions in general aren't usually like straight man-constructed as far as like, I'm creating a religion that will keep society together, and so says I, the person writing this book. Usually it's people coming with a bunch of different ideas and then smashing them together. Um, with, with some exceptions like Christianity and Islam. Um, however, we would say that if you can tell that something is man-made to, to just keep society together, that you should drop that portion of the belief because it isn't objectively true. All right? We're all trying to get down to absolute truth. Even the Hindu, uh, the, sorry, Krishna book says as much, and I think most Hindu sects say this as well, that we are ultimately seeking truth, what is absolutely true, and that the absolute truth does not contradict itself and uh, many things might contradict it, but it, it itself is true. And so if you're actually seeking what is absolutely true, then you cannot hold to the law of contradiction. And you can't uh, hold or you should not hold to beliefs that you know to be man-made and therefore made up, not 
defined in reality, defined in somebody's made up imagination. So um, we'd say Hinduism has a lot of hallmarks of things that are just made up by people's imagination, which is not good. But we'll let Dharma speak, speak some more. Or two through which transcendence is reached. The moment we collapse reality into absolute, clearly defined principles, we actually miss the nature of God altogether. God either is or he isn't. He is good or he is bad. He is man, he is not. He is physical, he is spirit, right? You cannot be um, spirit and not spirit. You could be both a spirit and a man, like we believe Jesus Christ incarnated, that the word incarnated in Christianity, right? Um, but we would never say that God is both not spirit and spirit and understanding that we don't fully understand God. So I'm not saying that we fully understand God, but we do know some pieces of his nature because we believe that God can communicate what he's like, right? And that he has communicated what he's like in a way that is understandable to humans. So we are able to understand God in the way that he has made himself known. And so there are clear defined principles that we know about God because he's communicated them in his word through the Bible. Um, even other religions that we, we of course disagree with Islam violently and, and other interpretations of God that are false, but even those ones also have clearly defined principles, and that's fine. We don't, I don't have a problem with Islam because it clearly defines who God is. I think it defines the wrong God. And so Hindus, too, clearly define God, right? Each sect usually has some sort of coherent, at least semi-coherent understanding. This Trying to harmonize what right. their realm... Actually, primarily, it's very interesting to read about the realms in which these deities exist in, but there is an attempt to understand, to understand that. Yeah, it's one absolute truth. So mm -hmm. it is also clear defined principles. If, it, if things aren't clear and defined, um, they're probably wrong. They're probably contradictory. When we embrace contradiction, a stunning thing happens. We stunning. are made to go beyond the mind. Bad Woo! things happen. So not only is contradiction fine, but it's actually good. We're going beyond the mind. We're, we're superseding uh, those nasty non-contradicting religions by contradicting we're going beyond the mind beyond our understanding we christians by the way with our keep, keeping the laws of logic keeping the the law of non-contradiction still go beyond the mind and understand that god's ways are higher than our ways his thoughts higher than our thoughts it's lines in the bible we believe that wholeheartedly that there are things that we don't understand about god however there are things we do understand about god because he the all able one has made them known and if god isn't able to make them known to humans god isn't all powerful which the Hindu God is not all powerful. He is false. That's another argument, you know, for sola scriptura. How do we determine what God is like? Mm -hmm. Well, because we are mortal, we can't teleport anywhere. We can't be invincible. We don't know everything. We make very stupid mistakes every once in a, in a while. Just kidding, very often. We need God to tell us what he is like. That's also known as the Bible. And... In Islam, it's also the same principle. Muslims believe Allah is a certain way because Muhammad received revelation. I mean, they claim this, of course, from Allah. If you want to see the rest of our episodes in Islam, where we fight Islam as well, we don't only pick on Hinduism, we pick on a lot of religions we believe are false. You can go and see our many, many episodes in Islam as well. Point is, you need the deity, someone that's beyond you, that's greater than you to tell you about this greater plane of existence that they would see. And I would say even Hindus do that, but for the record, you know, they, yeah. they might say they don't do it, but they do do it. And we do agree with this, that when you embrace contradiction, you go beyond the mind. Yes, you completely abandon logic. Completely abandon it, yes. yes. So we agree with this. Yeah. And just to, to show, I think, just a brief pitch for the superiority of the true and living God, the Christian God, uh, the true and living Christian God 
he isn't governed by other laws. He in and of himself is the one that determines what's good and bad. There's not a karma outside of God that, that he looks to to see what's good and bad. Our God, the true God, the God that rules all the earth and all the heaven and all the universe, he determines what is good and bad. And then he judges based off of what is good and what is bad. And his nature, who he is, is what is good. And anything that is not um, pleasing to him is bad. And therefore, the call to all creatures on the earth is to submit to God's will because he is righteous and holy, meaning he will destroy things that are not good, uh, that he is just temporarily allowing them so that he can show other attributes of his, namely how just he is, that he destroys evil. That's an attribute of God he wants to show to creation, prove out to creation. And so he allows for evil. He actually um, brings it about in his grand plan um, so that he can destroy it and show the superior superiority of himself, not only his strength, but also his justice. So we would say that's a reason that God allows for evil. Um, we'd also say that our God has not just um, allowed evil and mankind is naturally evil, but he's also given mankind a way to redemption through himself, through his son. He sent his son to earth as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died and the payment that God is due to give things that are evil is death, is destruction. And Jesus Christ allowed himself to be destroyed um, so that he gave himself up to be destroyed, to be, to be, to become death, to die, so that all the sins of the punishment that we are due are put on Jesus Christ. Um, so any of, he paid the price, the payment that we all had to pay for our wickedness on himself. And therefore, anybody who believes in him, who submits to Jesus Christ, who says, I will follow Jesus Christ forever, God actually indwells with his Holy Spirit, part of him, and uh, one of the persons of the Trinity, indwells that believer with the Holy Spirit and enables them to do actual good, to please God, and therefore will not only please God in this life, but also in the next life when God judges and, and finally comes the time to destroy all evil and put it away and to reward what's good, he will look at the person who has done a lot of wrong in their life, cover all the wrong with the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment, and then reward the believer based on what they've done that is good. And so we say come to that belief, come to that true message, that victory message that God himself has not only a justice that he's going to bring about to all the earth, but also a way to um, escape that justice and to live forever with God in joy and happiness. So come and repent, turn to Jesus Christ. That's our call to all the Hindus listening. And well, I'd say uh, they say you got to go beyond, uh, well, I don't know exactly what they said, but beyond Basically, the mind like a god a god would have to reveal itself or himself enough such that the people who he's revealing himself to know that there's some sort of hierarchy in like power knowledge love truth um such that they have some sort of direction or tr true knowledge to go based off of i think that'd be because Otherwise, what if it's a demon? What if it's an evil spirit? What is it? Right, really? right. Because if your God um, doesn't give you clear instruction, it could be an evil demon, like you're saying, that's meaning to deceive you, which is what we would attest that a lot of Hindu swamis that, that do receive true messages from the beyond, from the spiritual plane, they've actually received it from deceiving spirits who are trying to trick humanity to hurt them. Even the New Age discloses this, saying, be very careful yeah. when you reach out to the spirit realm because some spirits will try to either troll you or will try to do you actual harm mm -hmm. and say, yes, you are correct, friend. You are dealing with dangerous things. You, should, you shouldn't be just doing yeah. astral projection. So if the teaching isn't clear, that sounds like a deceiving spirit. Yes. More also with the gospel presentation that you gave, Michael, before. 
and goes in line with the video we're reacting to as well. That was the message that was given from the beginning of the Bible to the very end. Right, it hasn't changed. Keep that in mind. Take that to heart, everyone, our lovely audience. I was and, about to quote Isaiah there, but, but I'm, I'm going to hold back from there. God declares the end from the beginning. He says, I will do what I please and I will accomplish all that I set forth to do. I'm paraphrasing here. But from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, your seed will crush the head of the serpent through then Abraham promised the people of Israel. He, God will provide the sacrifice when he's about to sacrifice mm -hmm. his son Isaac. God will provide it. You don't do it. You cannot do it. It is God who's going to give the sacrifice to them with a uh, time of Moses, the Passover, with the blood of the lamb. And God will provide the ultimate lamb, Jesus Christ. God, the wrath of God is going to pass over the Jewish people in e while they were in Egypt during the, during the yep. plagues of Egypt. So again, what do you, want? you don't have to remember all these stories. What I want you to see is from beginning to end, a good Christian is going to claim and God will claim it's the same message from right. beginning to end. Whereas with Hinduism, many would admit, yeah, we have gurus that say different things all the time. That's okay. Notice that. Keep that in mind. They contradict. Even even Islam, you know, for all their faults, they do claim that this is their one and only at least revelation. They have objectivity, yes, usually at least. Yes. So that's a big preface. But I think it's worth to keep all yeah. of that in mind. And did we cut you off, uh, Theodore? Do you have other comments? Okay. All right. Well, let him keep going. Our thinking is comfortable in this material reality and the laws by which it operates. The moment it is presented with contradiction, the mind either has to reject it or it has to step aside. If it rejects it, the principle is seen as false and nonsensical. As it should be. If, however, it is accepted on faith, the mind can no longer play any role. Meaning you're not thinking. Reason and logic has to be suspended. And what happens instead is that we end up developing real wisdom. Mm. As we all know, real wisdom, so said by Dharma Speaks or whoever he's learning from, is setting aside the mind, reason and logic. We would never conclude that. Um, you can't have reasonable conversations without reason. That, that, that's the definition. So you really can't communicate truth. You cannot come to absolute truth if you do not have reason and logic. Now, atheists all the time come against us on this podcast, they come against Christians in general, other religious people, saying that saying that they, they meaning religious people from the atheist perspective, are constantly um, ignoring contradicting evidence and instead just accepting truths wholeheartedly, even though they contradict, and that that's a sign that they are unreasonable. We understand that some faith groups do that and some Christians so-called do that. Um, however, we would attest that there are actually no contradicting facts, real true facts um, between the Christian true belief and reality. There might be things that Christians think are true that aren't that are that are interpretations of the Bible that don't end up being true, but that's at fault with the human, not at fault with God and the truth. And so when the Hindu says that they just take things on faith, or at least Dharma Speaks is saying that, um, he is being that caricature, and his argument is insanely weak. I don't even see how this works in the West. I guess the West and its philosophy are kind of decaying these days, or on the slide. Mm -hmm. and so Dharma Speaks is trying to push one that has been alive and um, terrible for thousands of years, and I don't think it's going to win the day, frankly. This wisdom is not born of logical understanding, but from a deep place within. When Krishna is about to show his divine cosmic form to Arjuna, he specifically tells him that you cannot see this form with your material eyes, and so blesses him with divine vision. Contradiction in philosophy helps us to develop this divine vision, to experience God firsthand. Once again, claiming that contradiction 
is actually good and helps you see truth. Um, and I would say thank you for agreeing with me that you cannot contradict and see truth. Um, I don't know what definition thing. they're going by, but I'm pretty sure the definition of wisdom is good judgment or like living life right. well, mm -hmm. things like that. You're going to see that probably in any dictionary that you look in. But, but if you believe in contradiction, right, when it's said when wisdom is living life well, um, it's also living life poorly because now we're accepting contradiction. So I guess words mean everything, even the opposite of what they were supposed to mean. So you could say that um, unlocking wisdom here is living in the slums of Mumbai um, as much of India does today. So it, I'm, uh, India, I think, is a great continent. I think the people of India will rise greater than China, greater than the U.S. one day. But it's not because of Hinduism. It's because of the good things that God has given the Indian continent and not the God of Indi Hinduism or any cult of Hinduism, but the true and living God. And as Christianity spreads across the earth, uh, I would suspect that India will become a more Christian, a majority Christian nation at some point, and will put this country to shame. So this isn't a racism thing. This isn't a nationalist thing. But India right now is in a poor condition, poorer than China, poorer than the United States, purely because of, um, well, the abuses of imperialism in the British Empire, sure. But even before then, um, they kept themselves divided by caste and uh, a lot of other malpractices. And so the poor of India really have Hinduism to thank for being poor. And so this unlocking wisdom that has been given down for 6,000, 10,000, 1 million years to the Hindu people um, really has kept them in the dark because it's not wisdom that lets them live life rightly. It's wisdom that makes them live poorly. Paradox and so-called logical fallacies are actually tools in Hindu philosophy designed to challenge the mind and encourage us to delve into ourselves. Frankly, I think that uh, paradoxes are given to make the giver of the paradox sound smart and to make the people who are listening to it work out why it's a paradox in their mind and then go, oh, that made me work my mind. You must be smart. So I do think it's a tool given by Brahmins and priests, even in the Western culture, but definitely in Hinduism and in the Eastern culture to just make the, the priest look smart, which is dumb. That's not real wisdom. That's just self-aggrandizement. Having said this, if we create a philosophical system that is entirely contradictory, it can lose value altogether. Yes, it can. Mm -hmm. In order to walk a spiritual path, the mind needs a certain amount of coherence to hang on to. I think you need full, fully coherent thoughts. Um, I guess he's saying to not completely waste your life, you need some sort of coherence, which we would agree. And that's why you need to live life by logical standards, not biological. There should be some clarity about who God is. This is what keeps us grounded and stops us falling into vain fantasy. So, let me ask the question. Would you rather have some idea of what God is or a specific idea of who God is? Because the Hindu version of God changes based on what sect you ask, yes. But even within a sect, sometimes it contradicts. So, can we truly have a belief that God, about God that contradicts itself? Um, we would say, no, you need a fully coherent version of God to keep you from falling into vain fantasy. If your version of God contradicts, it is by definition vain fantasy. So you can't just have a semblance of what God is. You need to have a fully coherent version of God is, even if you don't know everything about him. Christians agree. We don't know everything about God, but what we do know about God is coherent. And if it isn't coherent, we need to drop that belief because it's not true. Exactly. And whereas in India, what has been tried, at least from my from my experience with this uh, uh, worship in Hare Krishna, Krishna 
beliefs is that there is a more philosophical and intellectual approach through the study of the Vedas and the Upanishads, holy books, and teachings of gurus, collections, all of that, in order to understand divinity, Krishna, and of course the other planes of, ex of, of existence beyond us, how to get there through either philosophy, morality, understanding, and then there's also understand, and then there's also an approach in which is more spiritual, more feelings based, such as the practice of yoga, meditation, astral projection, stuff like that. And then, well, they may compete with one another, and it's I find that fascinating that within one sect cult they compete with one another. They say it's okay. All these paths actually lead you in proper devotion to the deity Krishna in this case and it was like all paths lead to Krishna I think that's very very uh, convenient excuse that is being given right there in order to harmonize all these competing systems that were well and, and in a way so in Christianity there's the concept that God has made people differently so there are some people that are more gifted spiritually like in the feelings based up there's people who are gifted with more logic so we would agree that there are different ways to please God right it's pleasing to God to be the head of a worship band and mm -hmm. it's also pleasing to God to be a theologian that writes theological treatises if you're so gifted um, so we would agree that there are multiple ways to please God but truly there's only one truth so it can't be that um, Krishna is the Lord of all and Jesus Christ is Lord of all, right? So that's where I think the Hindu has it wrong. I can understand that within the Hare Krishna system, there's multiple ways to God. But if you take into account Christianity, Christianity is not another path to God as much as Hindus claim that all the time. I think it's their go-to way of diffusing um, dissension and, and diffusing conflict mm. is saying that you can do whatever you want and still make it to God. Um you can do that within Hare Krishnaism, right? When when the temple worshippers and the yogi practitioners and the philosophers have to compete with each other, but they're all pointing to the same fake god. Um, but you cannot say that when Christianity fundamentally denies what Hare Krishna says. Whereas most um, Hindu philosophers, to my knowledge, will say something. They'll say like, um, "This is how Krishna created the earth." But those who say otherwise um, could be right too. And if this dharma doesn't work for this age, it could work for the next age. And so. Um, they do that wanting to diffuse conflict. We don't mean to diffuse conflict. Christ said he did not come to bring peace to the world, but a sword. And he came to divide a mother against his father, a son against his father, a mother, uh, daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law, etc. And so you have to hold to truth and love God more than your family, more than society to actually be saved. Striking the right balance between coherence and contradiction is the challenge and goal of Hindu philosophy. It's truly, it's trying to mix coherence, truth, with lies, contradictions. So yes, I would agree that Hinduism and all worldly religions are trying to mix truth, coherence, with contradiction, lies from the enemy, from demons, from, from mankind. And so Hinduism is indeed a mix of coherent statements, which is what attracts people to it, and contradicting statements, which is what keeps people from falling into this trap, hopefully forever. The amount of contradiction and mystery that can be woven into a religious system often depends on the adhikar or the level of spiritual advancement of the followers of that religion. Literally the opposite, if you hear our philosophy here, um, we would say that the level of adhikar is actually determined by how coherent the belief is and how contradictory it is makes it retarded. So if you have a position that contradicts itself, you're actually foolish. That's a foolish position. You should not hold to it. So, the, so something is more adhikar, it's more spiritually advanced if it is 
more coherent. So Christianity is more advanced than Hinduism because it is more coherent. Now, I I'm willing to accept the arguments from those who say that their version of Hinduism is more coherent, right? The hard Christianism is more coherent than Christianity. Let me hear your arguments, right? I, I don't believe them, but let me hear them. Um, but to say that it's actually better and more spiritually enlightened if you have more contradiction is a lie, um, because to have more contradiction is to is to have lies in your religion. That's just a lot of logic. Mm -hmm. The Kanishta Adhikari is one who has a low level of tolerance for contradiction. They have mm, yes, look at the nerd. Have to have a simplistic set of principles with clear ideas of black and white. Rules and regulations have to be rigid and concise. The Madhima Adhikari is one who needs a degree of logic to make sense of things, but is open to mystery. They understand knowledge is limited. As a result, they accept explanations can only go so far and may not always be perfectly defined. And frankly, that's okay. That's fine, right? Christianity has a similar concept. We don't have weird words for it, but um, we would say that uh, at first, when you first become a Christian and your basic level of understanding, you do need very black and white laws. Um, but as things, as you grow in your relationship with God, you learn to trust God over your own understanding. And therefore, even if you don't understand um, a particular situation, so say you get cancer, right? And you don't know exactly how God is going to use that. You trust that God is going to use it for good because you trust his promise, the base thing you first learn when you're a Christian, and that is that um, all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those called according to his purpose. You trust that base level of knowledge you started with, and so therefore you advance and you build that and say, because I trust that base statement from God, I'm going to trust that this thing that I don't understand right now, the fact that I have cancer, is actually for my good. Um, so we would say that in that way, you have mystery. You don't know what the cancer is going to be used for, but you trust that um, the clarity, you need some clarity, that God is going to work all things for good. So we agree with the general sentiment, sentiment here, but what you wouldn't um, believe as a more advanced Christian is that um, I believe that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, those who call according to his purpose. But this cancer is actually evil. It's from Satan. It won't be used for good. It needs to be done away with. Um, because those are contradicting. So that would be um, not a more advanced Christian, but a simpler Christian, a dumber Christian. The Uttama Adhikari needs no philosophy at all for their inner development. They have realized the truth and have experienced a mystery that surpasses all philosophy. They may, however, enjoy, speak, and teach in philosophical terms for the benefit of those who are still on their way. The danger of the... What do you even say to that? Some, some guru sitting on the hilltop. I mean, Christianity has the same, like... Austatious monks that yes, sit and Mount Athos team. with the Eastern Orthodox. All they do is chant, they sing hymns, and then they say words. Sometimes, hopefully, making sense. But it's not advancement. Like that's, that's exactly what the little monk boy wants you to think. He he saw it once on TV, thought it was cool, went to be a monk. I mean, I don't know that the I don't know the influence or the 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 reason a lot of people go to monkhood. I'm sure it's varied, but. Um, ostensibly they want you to think they're cool right and jesus calls out these kind of people he calls out the pharisees for um wanting the best rows in synagogues and wanting greetings in the marketplaces to be called rabbi teacher by people and so same with these swamis with these gurus they want to be called guru they want to be called swami and so they say philosophical sounding things when they want to but otherwise you plebeians you weaklings you, you sh short of faith simpletons can't fully understand i've come to peace i wear my shirt off and sit in the sun all day I think it's ridiculous. It's proud, it's boastful, and it's, um, I, I do not believe that they truly have enlightenment. Now, here's where we would differ with Hinduism. I am convinced that with all believers, by the grace of the Spirit of God, we can all come to the same understanding. Right. With Through the revelation that he has given us. That's also where we differ from our Catholic and Eastern Orthodox friends that they say, no, 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 no. You need the church to tell you what this means. Well, 
there is some value in that that yes you have to be within realms of orthodoxy not eastern orthodox but like actual orthodoxy to understand beliefs i would say the spirit of god can grant you right the from same the down wisdom. syndrome kid can be saved have the right amount of knowledge to be saved and the the brilliant philosopher exactly through the spirit of god so it's not something to boast in of mankind's ability it's given by god Nishta Adhikari is that their over-reliance on philosophy leads them to over-rationalize God. Instead of using explanations to bring them to the mystery of truth, they try to condense the mystery of truth to fit their understanding. And again, to a certain extent, yes, I agree that mankind is not fully able to understand God. And therefore, if you think you fully understand God, you have condensed the truth to fit your own understanding. And, and Christianity has a saying, it's from the Old Testament, it says, um, do not lean on your own understanding. It's from, consider the wisest man of the world, given wisdom by God, King Solomon. So we would agree that we aren't going to understand everything. However, there are things that we do understand. And one of them is that aspects of God cannot contradict. And therefore, if there is something contradicting, it's probably something wrong with our understanding, not with the actual reality. And so, again, when the Hindu or Dharma speaks or whoever he stands for says that um, if you don't believe in contradiction, you're actually condensing the mystery of truth to fit your own understanding. We would say he's condensing the truth to his to fit his understanding, which is that there is a plurality of beliefs that make it to heaven, which is wrong. Because they have no real inner experience to guide them, they latch on to external ideas and obsess over them. This is what leads to extreme dogma or religious fundamentalism. They have no inner understanding. They're just lesser human beings. It's like the elect class versus the non-elect. They do have different castes of, of in enlightenment, so throwback to Gnosticism. So I do, I do like the, uh, the browbeating that says that if you don't agree with me, you must be a simpleton, which is... Um, I mean, to a certain extent, if we were using logic, you could say, if you don't agree with me, you aren't agreeing with logic. But if you're just saying, if you don't agree with me, you must be less spiritually enlightened. There's no objective standard to tell if you're right or if you're lying. It causes individuals to miss the experience of God altogether. The Kanishta Adhikari can often fall into the trap of enjoying working things out intellectually. Spiritual principles become more about feeding our ego satisfaction. Okay, I'll say this. Yes, so intellectuals can definitely fall into the trap of being arrogant and proud, and I'm not going to say that I don't fall into that trap often. However, um, the guru who sits there telling you wise sayings for a couple pennies that he can eat that week um, is literally this guy. It's literally this meme right here, this guy, uh -huh. is the shirtless guru on the side of the, of the river saying that he's achieved spiritual enlightenment. He can't explain it to you because it's just it would be way over your head, but please pay for his meal today, and maybe he'll give you like a little bit of his wisdom. That is this guy. That's this guy with the glasses right here. That's that's who they are in essence. So I, the hypocrisy here is uh, interesting. Except remove the glasses, the suit, the tie. Yeah, he, I mean, he, is, <laughs> he doesn't quite look like this. We do not enter paradox. into God's glory. It's a paradox. It's a contradiction. Or contradiction. <laughs> we're, we're so getting, it makes it more wise. Yeah, we're getting wiser here on the Pound Gods podcast. Instead, we try to conquer him by believing we understand him. The Madhima Adhikari, however, sees that philosophy at its best is not simply meant to explain the supreme truth, but to awaken different bhavas. Bhavas can be seen as feelings or spiritual realizations. The beliefs in our mind dictate how we look at the supreme truth. Uh, this is a fancy way of saying that truth is subjective, so if you get a feeling about something, it's true for you. It might not be true for other people, but it's true for you, um, which is um, the spirit of the modern age, what's destroying the West, and... Uh, I would say that this philosophy of non-objective truth, it 
I don't know that it started with Hinduism and Eastern thought, but it certainly infected the West. And um, if the West falls like it might, uh, this will be the, the problem is people relying on feelings and realizations. And as the Bible says, before Israel um, obeyed God's law, they had give, been given God's law, but they decided to disobey it. It said that each person was doing what was right, what they thought was right in their own eyes. And it was considered chaos, considered bad by God. And so this Baba's feelings, realizations, and everybody deciding what's right for themselves is um, chaos. It's bad. Believing that our divine self is the totality of all creation and God invokes a certain kind of bhava. Believing our soul is a part and servant of God invokes a completely different bhava. Importantly, as the Madhima Adhikari grows, they know when to rigidly hold on to certain rules and principles and when it is time to let go of them. They build an inner intuition which allows them to discriminate when philosophy is inspiring them or when it is potentially holding them back from the experience of the divine. Didn't you say don't trust your own understanding and also don't I always say the heart is desperately wicked who can understand it? Yes, one of those contradictions again. So we would claim, like Sebastian just quoted, that the heart, the human intuition is actually desperately wicked who can understand it, meaning that if you trust yourself, um, you will ultimately fail. Even if you don't fail on everything, you will ultimately fail because the human being is existentially flawed, so you will fail on something. Um, not only is Dharma Speak saying you have to trust your own understanding, your own inner intuition, but also um, if you do trust your own understanding and try to use logic that you are flawed and then you're not advanced. So you're both advanced to trust your own intuition and you are flawed using your own intuition. So I don't know which one it is. I guess one of those divine contradictions. The Uttama Adhikari is in a completely different league. They embody the very truth that is expounded in Hindu philosophy. They are immersed in spiritual realization. They may conform to philosophical principles and rules, or they may not. I, I, I'm really speechless. It's so um, contradictory, but it's also uh, like so obviously contradictory. I don't see how anybody leaves this. Okay, so the, the spiritually enlightened right. person may have wisdom they can like understand that we, they can communicate, or they may not. But they are, believe me, they are immersed in spiritual realization, whether they can explain it or not. Yeah, this is a like a nine minute video saying this is a video, but it might maybe not. <laughs> and you may be dreaming this or maybe you're imagining this and getting onto the next plane. But it is certainly a video, but it's not. I mean, it's definitely and a video. This is. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop there. Yes, well, that's why you can't. I'm you, getting too deep. You can't be. You can't be. Exactly. You can't actually go around, walk around in life, believing in the law of contradiction. You have to believe in the law of non-contradiction. That if you are a boy, you are not a girl. If you are here in in the United States, you aren't in India, right? That's the law of non-contradiction. In any case, that's why we're so frustrated here. And that if you start to believe in the law of contradiction, that things should contradict. Um, you lose reason altogether because they are I, was gonna, I wanted to say that you know i'm just i'm just puzzled by this because in order to no matter which cult or deity you believe in as a hindu you have to hold on to a certain at least to some degree of principles the reason for that is for example giving food to a someone who is starving on the streets doesn't give you the same karma as stabbing your mom Right. You're going to be reborn as a pretty bad animal if you kill your mother. 
even after you fed a beggar in the street. So there is some principles that you, even that, that's my exhortation to our Hindu friends that you do hold to a certain belief to certain beliefs, and I would we would say also as a human you know, in you, what is there's some basic, natural intuition. Yeah. Yes, there's some intuition to what is evil and what is good because we're all made in the imago dei in the image of God. Yeah. It's not perfect intuition because it's flawed, but like you said, we're made in the image of God, which means that we have a portion of His wisdom. Yes. And that, some of that, some, we have a small amount as it may be, has been translated into the Hindu belief system, such mm -hmm. as, for example, feed people who are hungry, don't kill clothe your mom. the poor. Yes, yeah. yes, do not kill your parents. Please don't do that. And um, in that sense, by doing these things, you're increasing your likelihood of achieving a better life in, in, the, fut in the future when that's to come. So... What's my point? You are holding to some principles. You do have a set standard of what is good and what is bad. Even if you don't have a standard for what is good, as some, some other videos in Dharma speaks, they have, he has gone over, it's like, what's good shifts over time, apparently. I did not think that would be the case, that the deities would shift what is good over time. But at the very least, you do know what is bad. And that's pretty much, I would say, has been remaining consistent across the ages, I would hope. Yeah, relatively. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you must not do bad things, these bad things, these lists of bad, like stealing, will give you, it's going to definitely hurt you in your next life. And likewise, you know that being charitable to people is going to help you in your future life. So you do have standards. So please, don't, don't, follow, don't follow this contradiction. Yeah, we, we, you, Hindus and Indians and Westerners and whoever else, live like there is objective morality. Um, you don't live like objective, uh, like morality is always shifting. If you do, your society collapse anyways, just practically. But even even if you're not paying attention to the practical stuff, you don't, you yourself don't live like that right now. So don't be deceived by this kind of um, flowery language to make you think that it's fine that, that your priest actually doesn't know what he's talking about. ...situated in the divine. They are free from the material world and free from all dogma. The reason why... Free from all dogma. You can't be free from all dogma because to... Adhere to wanting no dogma is a dogma in and of itself. So, I mean, I understand there's this whole contradiction thing. So maybe you can be free of all dogma, even though you have a dogma and you just embrace that contradiction. Um, but logically, to go back to our logical stuff again, logically, you cannot be free of all dogma because to have no dogma is a dogma in and of itself. Hindu philosophy may appear so diverse and contradictory is that each philosophy tackles reality in different ways and it is geared for people with different tastes and at different levels of spiritual growth. There's definitely ways to make simple teaching simple for those who are at a lower level of spiritual growth and then to advance them as people go up. We do it in math, we do it in, in language learning, and we certainly can do it in spiritual stuff. The Bible has that quote in it that says that um, some spiritual learners were learning like children and they were drinking milk. And by this rate, they should have been eating meat and they should have been getting more advanced stuff. What it doesn't say is um, you currently understand things. You currently understand like that Jesus Christ is God. But if you were really advanced, you'd know that he actually isn't God. He's just a regular man. The, the, the truth doesn't change as you get more spiritually in, enlightened. The truth should stay the same. It should get more complex, but it doesn't actually change in and of itself. So the explanations that contradict each other um, for the sake of people with different tastes and different levels of spiritual growth is just another way of saying um, it's said to please people's ears that you can make a living off of people who enjoy your presence and enjoy what you have to teach, which is um, not pursuing absolute truth. That's just pursuing a, a buck and being pleased on earth. 
I would say it's not very honest either. The Gnostics did this in the very early church to say, you know, I know you guys, you know, I'm going to pick you out from your Bible study after you leave. And then let me tell you, you know, you keep learning Jesus is God. He became a man. But actually, that's just, you know, that's for the simple people. Actually, he was just an illusion all this time. Let me tell you more about it. Because now you're going to become part of this enlightened class of people who mm -hmm. truly know the actual Jesus. So Gnostics did that back in the day. I don't think it's very... I don't think it's a good way to be thinking no, no matter it's what it's a bunch of wolves right the bible describes that kind of person as a wolf yeah it's not it's not good no matter what belief system whether you're even a muslim a buddhist or a hindu i don't think that's a good mentality to have in the slightest right if we look at physics for example here too we find a variety of ways in dealing with the world newtonian physics is clear and predictable when building and constructing things Relativity explains the impact of moving bodies on space and time. Quantum mechanics deals with the dynamics of the subatomic world. The three systems of science are vastly different. Newtonian laws cannot be used to predict the movement of particles in the quantum world. The models of quantum mechanics cannot be directly applied to space and the equations of relativity. Each field of physics is in opposition to one another. Here's a, a better explanation of the contradictions in physical models. Physics are trying to all point to the same reality, right? So if you use Newtonian physics, they explain reality, um, but they don't actually perfectly explain reality. And therefore, it's, it's not that quantum physics and Newtonian physics um, are both true and differ from each other. It's that they're both not quite perfect models trying to explain exactly what reality is. And so they can be used and you can be relatively accurate. But when you use Newtonian physics to estimate where an electron will land on an electron light test, um, you will be wrong because Newtonian physics isn't right in that area. So Newtonian physics isn't true perfectly. Neither is our current understanding of quantum mechanics or our current mm -hmm. understanding of the theory of relativity. They explain a lot of truth, but they aren't perfectly true. And that's their problem. That's why they don't match up with each other on things they don't match up with, because they're not actually explaining reality correctly. So there is an absolute truth about physics. There is an absolute truth about God. And so if the system you're using right now um, doesn't perfectly explain God, it's actually an incorrect system. And for physics, the, the consequences of having the wrong model of physics aren't very big. But to have the wrong model of God you can be damned forever if you have the wrong model of God. And so we would tell you, scientists spend their whole lives trying to figure out physics, finding out the, the truth of, do you repent and turn to Jesus Christ or do you go to all the other religions of man um, is a simpler truth. It's easier to understand and it is more important than physics. We would say you should spend more time thinking about it and you should come and repent in Jesus Christ. It's more important than knowing if Newtonian physics is the correct model or if quantum mechanics is the correct model, etc. Nonetheless, they are all true and internally consistent. They're internally consistent, they're not true. Each one is geared for dealing with reality at different levels. The same is true of Hindu philosophy. It may appear contradictory, chaotic and diverse, but there is good reason for this. Unlike other religions which provide a one-dimensional theology, Hinduism has explored every avenue of life. It has understood the psychology of humanity, the level from which they exist, as well as the expansive nature of God and reality. Bunch of flop words. The contradictions and paradoxes are not deficiency. They are deficiencies. But a sign of sophistication and profundity. So says the fool. Through the grace of the masters and saints, it has delivered numerous philosophies which have enabled man to raise their consciousness and realize the supreme truth. Has it? What do you think bettered India more? 
Western philosophy coming in and pushing mathematics, the Indian, the Indian geniuses who push mathematics themselves, or when they sat on their butts and did nothing and believed in subjective reality for years. If you look at Indian society, very diverse, many different regions, many different cities and city-states that, that some flourished, some did not. If you look at the ones that succeeded, how did they succeed? What philosophies did they adhere to? These philosophies, these philosophies that there's no subjective truth and you might as well just sit around contemplating God all day, or the ones that worked, produced, obeyed the God of the Bible, who says work as if you work for the Lord, it's a curse of man to work, you have to work, it's part of God's calling for mankind. Those societies, I think you'll find, were the ones that succeeded and thrived in India and the rest of the world because God is truth and his principles apply everywhere. Those who contemplated this kind of philosophy that Dharma Speaks is showing um, perpetuated poverty and the destruction of cities and the destruction of wealth and the hurt of their fellow man. So I think you'll find practically on a practical level, not only just on the logical level, is this a foolish philosophy, but also on the practical level, this philosophy results in the curse that's been on India for 4,000 years. And it's only coming out of that curse by the, um, the use of logic and true, true principles from the real living God who has sprinkled them here and there to Indians, to Chinese, to Arabic countries, to Europe, but then has fully revealed himself in Jesus Christ in the Bible. I think you're appealing Many to logic, and I think that's a logical fallacy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you use logic, you aren't contradicting yourself, meaning you um, are contradicting truth, because truth contradicts, as we just learned. Thank you. There we go. The full thing. Can't say we didn't give it its full second. Let me give it. There we go. The full second. Any last closing comments, Sebastian? Oh, my. It's, it's a little bit sad, because... Not too long ago, the Apostle Thomas, just kidding, was a very long time ago, walked the shores of southern India and gave a testimony to the people of India down south in the coast of Kerala, I believe it was, and also parts of Sri Lanka, Ceylon. I do hope that, the, my hope is also obviously that the people in India, across all the regions, across all those languages that exist there, to realize how deficient this, these systems are that were created so long ago. And not the fact that they're old means that they're bad. It means they're bad because they're, it's, they're it's bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Whereas what has allowed them to succeed, and you can see in history many Indian kingdoms that have adopted codes of morality that are fixed, take the Mauryan Empire, take other kingdoms that have existed I understand in the message that there are many Muslim countries that have ruled over India nonetheless the Mughals were brought a lot of wealth prosperity in India yep. because they had a very consistent society they had a orderly society they had a code of principles and with Islam many not all many of the principles align with what God with the, the creator of the, the universe yeah. decreases truth so even if you don't believe in Yahweh the God of the Bible you can, by accident, so to say, follow his principles and still be a successful individual yep. because his principles are good. And if you do them, you're doing good things. It's going to be you're going you're to be good in that sense. You're not going to be saved, but, you, but you're going to have success in those areas that you carry out according to the will of God, even if you're not aware of God. My point is, let go of these mm -hmm. of these strange systems that are a collection of just ramblings of confused shirtless old gurus that were sitting in the mountain or in the river who 
were pretty much blabbering, probably because they were not eating as well as they should have, because they were, <laughs> they were not eating very well. And also, they were just relying on their own understanding and wisdom. And we know as people how faulty, how much we do not know, how many mistakes we make, how easy it is for us to forget things, how easy it is for us to hurt others. How are we going to trust in ourselves the understanding of these people? No. Let go of all of that. Rather, trust in the one and only God who gives truth. He has decided to show us what he's like. He has decided to show his mercy, his compassion to all people, not just Jewish people. You might say it's all. It's the Hebrew Bible. No, no, no. It's for all peoples across the world. That's why I was talking about the Apostle Thomas preached to the people of India many, many years ago. Alexander was there, but I was not there. I promise. So my call to everyone who's listening, repent. No, you can't. do not continue in the hamster wheel that is Hinduism, trying to do good deeds, trying to escape the cycle of life and death. Trust in the one and only God. You will have peace. You will have a good relationship with Yahweh himself. And while I cannot promise you that your life will financially improve, I, that's no, there's pick up your cross and follow me. What I can guarantee you is that if you submit to the will of God, you will have a good life by the standard of God. And you will have peace, not just with yourself, but with your creator. And ultimately, eternal life, not only in this life, but also the next. Amen. Any last comments from you, Theodore? I know you're not on video, but just audio. Nope, I think I'm good. All right. Well, with that said, I've been Michael, the man behind the machine. We have been the found cause. That's why we've found our cause for the Lord Jesus Christ. To my left has been Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And virtually no face this time has been Theodore under the PC. We, we hope to see a lot of comments from our Hindu watchers. We are happy to respond. We'd like to respond. We want to hear what your thoughts are. If you disagree with us, if you agree with us, with it like the dislike button. We don't mind either one. Just want some engagement and make sure we are making stuff that's useful and interesting to you. So thanks for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. But if you want to see our beautiful faces and the videos we react to, you can go to youtube.com and search us up Found Cause there. We're also on facebook.com forward slash Found Cause for as long as I keep us. And we're also on Spotify and iTunes or wherever else you find your podcast. Until next time, we talk about something completely different. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.